Welcome to Across the Nation with Jason, the show where we interview up-and-coming artists, entrepreneurs, and small business owners, and so much more. This is the show that's going to help you get into the right mindset to get you to the next level. Let's just jump right into it. So how are you doing, man? How's how's life? How's everything? I can't. I tell everyone that asks me that. I say I can't complain. Like there's so many things to complain about. But honestly, I can't complain. I think it's going really good. How's it for you, dude? It's it's been a grind, man. It's just you kind of get into the swing of things. Especially COVID's kind of made everything really crazy. Especially just with you know everything. It just is weird, you know. Especially because I'm a very social person. Just not being able to go out just always been. You know really tough especially right now because it's like oh especially because now that i don't go to college it's like oh i don't even have like that kind of atmosphere even with the zooms and stuff so it gets super isolated but you know as as you said i can't complain either so i'm totally on the same wavelength i'm very grateful so yeah i'm, def- I'm yeah. definitely the same way with you in terms of like going out was my thing with like friends wow. and now with oh, covid yeah. that's been the weirdest aspect of it is living in a covid world to be honest but yeah I'm definitely like on the better end of stick, like compared to what some people have gone through with COVID. Like luckily enough, not had COVID for one getting COVID. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had it too. I had it back in, Oh gosh. It was like, it was right during my birthday, which was really sad. Oh, you, like it was like, the you day got COVID? Right. Oh yeah. I got COVID. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Cause I didn't even know like, like where I got it from, which is weird. I wasn't doing anything crazy. It just like got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then I got tested. Okay. And it was weird. Cause like, I, I, I like got it. And then, cause I was like, I had a fever like at night and I was like, Oh man, I feel kind of bad. I like watched some Bob's burgers and was like just chilling out. And I was like, I just feel kind of sick. Went to bed, woke up in the morning and I felt great. And I was like, Oh, I might've been like really sick. And then I just like went, got COVID tested the next day and I had it, but I like kicked it in a day. So it's, it was weird. I had a really good experience. It was, well, not good experience, yeah. but I didn't get cautious or anything. I just had a fever, but yes. Yeah. It's, I was lucky yeah. enough not to get it, but I had a lot of friends that got oh, it and good. it was the same thing as you. Oh, yeah. like I said they were sick for like a day and then the next day they felt fine. Yeah. Do you see there, there was a, like a, someone that's 117 years old that got COVID and beat yeah, it. Yeah. I actually did see that on Facebook like yeah. yesterday. That's <laughs> this is crazy, man. It's like, this is what's like shut down everything. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I'd love to hear just like, you know, for those of the people that are going to be listening that don't know about what you do, um, can you just give a little, quick little snapshot of what, what you do right now at Trough and everything? Yeah. Well, I guess I could probably dive back into like the start of everything to give a pretty good background. Oh yeah. So no, you big, know, big the, picture. The yeah, for picture sure. That's great. Explain <laughs> this and probably pertain more to your yes. users going to background. But pretty much uh-huh. originally, I'm from North Dakota, a small town in North Dakota. I live in Colorado Springs now, same as you. But when I graduated high school, I just kind of was intrigued with startups, kind of this whole space. And I was like, you know, I want to move somewhere, learn more, go kind of expose myself to this entrepreneurship thing and just get my feet wet. So outside of high school, I moved to Colorado Springs to attend college at UCCS. And that's kind of when I began, began my entrepreneurial journey, per se. And it started with just meeting a lot of entrepreneurial minded students, similar to you, kind of the same way we met is anyone that had this mindset, I just wanted to meet and learn from. And I was lucky yeah. enough to kind of meet a lot of older students at the time. They were juniors and seniors that kind of put me under the wing and introduced me to all the people kind of in the startup scene in Colorado Springs, as well as get involved with Peak Startup, who at the time was the only non- nonprofit in Colorado Springs for startups. 
And kind of my first years of college was just like volunteering anywhere I could get my hands in. Like any time involved a business owner, a startup, even if it was a small business, I was there just trying to get exposed to literally everything I could. And while I was kind of doing that through those first two years, I was like, Hey, you know, I kind of, I want to take a stab at this. I don't know what, but I just want to take a stab at this because I'd been in this world for like two years learning from people and I ended up taking an entrepreneurship class at UCCS where I went to college and we were assigned with a project of you pretty much have to create a startup in eight weeks was kind of the yeah. assignment. And I was like, this, this is perfect. Like this is literally what I've been working towards for two years is like this class. And I got paired with a girl named Megan and we were the first day everyone had to go around the room and kind of spitball their ideas. And at that time, I was I was caught up with a lot of other ideas, things dealing with inventory management and parking analytics, and I just got shot down by my group, by like all of yeah, them. Yeah, that's every every startup yeah. at UCCS was always yeah. about parking because parking just sucks on campus. Yeah, no. I so <laughs> I was I was really intrigued by those things. I had a really cool idea for like a grocery store for better like inventory management, and our professors just shot all my ideas down. I'm like, well, this sucks. And then Megan, who was on my team's like why well, just moved here and meeting people really sucks. She's like, you know, I've used like every app there is and most of them are dating or most of them are just like not good at what they do. Like you don't meet people. And then I was like, Hey, I moved here too. And experienced the same thing as like the first year when you move somewhere it's extremely oh, difficult sure. to make a friends. And I was like, you're onto something. And it was just like all of my ideas I threw away and I was like, let's focus on this. This is good. I like this. So sophomore year, Megan and me and two other people in that class focused on that idea and pretty much instructed around how can you meet people better? Like how do people actually make friends, not using a social media app that just you talk to someone through a screen? Like how do you actually meet people? And kind of by the end of the class, we came with the idea of what if you met people who shared interests at local restaurants? Because we're like, look at food. Food's been connecting people literally since caveman times of like sharing food yep. and what do you do with your friends? Everyone loves going out. As you just stated, you hate being with COVID is we're social people. We want to go out. Yep. So pretty much we pitched our product of it's a social media app where you connect with people who share interests at restaurants. And out of actually all the classes that took this, we took second when we kind of pitched up investors, quote unquote, the school called it. And we took second. So me and Megan said, Hey, you know, some, maybe some's here. Cause like we were getting asked by students in that class. Like, Hey, I really like that idea like, does it exist? And we're like, well, you know, we just kind of did this for a class, but that's like instant validation of if you're getting asked by students. Yeah, you have market validation. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much what happened is we went on and I knew two other people named Elijah and Andrew that I'd met from, just like I said, yeah, I met yeah, them too, yeah. that I mentioned back in the day of just like getting involved in everything. I met them through mm -hmm. that. And I was like, Hey, you know, you guys are looking for the same thing as me to build a company. I think all of our skill sets work extremely well together this girl and me kind of came with this idea in a class and we were looking to take it further. Like, would you want to get involved? And I specifically remembered it was right before winter break of sophomore year. We all met for the first time, all four of us. And we all are like, we all had some sort of attachment to this idea, whether it was like, we've all moved somewhere and had to restart the friend making process. Mm -hmm. Elijah traveled a lot and he's like, yeah, I've, I've experienced the power of food of meeting people in other countries and sharing a meal together. So we said, hey, let's all go home for winter break, come back, and let's do this. And pretty much we came back sophomore, um, spring semester, sophomore year, and from there just hit the mm -hmm. ground running and actually made a real startup. It was weird to say, like, we, we actually made it like an LLC, made a website, developed a name, which is Trough, and we said, hey, like, 
Yeah. Let, Great name. We're like, let's start yeah. building a company. Like, let's just take a shot. What do we have to lose? We're all in college. Mm. So pretty yep. much throughout the years, then we worked on developing an MVP. We've done numerous validation events. And then just recently in 2020, we were accepted into Exponential Impact, which is kind of the premier tech accelerator in Colorado Springs. And I believe we were also the youngest team ever accepted into Exponential Impact. So what do you mean by youngest team as in like all your like your founders' yeah. ages? No, so like okay. age. So was like we were joking the first day you meet all the co-founders and other companies and everyone's in their 30s, 40s even. Some of them were like wow. MBA people and I've known the past yeah. cohorts and most of them fit that kind of time frame where they had an MBA or they'd started other companies before and it was, wow, we were like the only 20-year-olds I think ever to enter that program. I could be wrong, but that's I so, think we are. That's sick. Yeah, I think Dude, we are. Congratulations. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's been that experience like being in an accelerator? Is it like you is it like a social like kind of scene? Yeah. Like where you talk to founders and stuff in the accelerator. So what really sucked is COVID, as we were touching in the beginning. Oh, oh no, shit. you so it was, <laughs> yeah. it was all oh, damn. Yeah. normally oh, yeah. you actually go there and it's kind of like tech stars if people listening are familiar yeah. with it. they have a building you spend most of your time there there's people coming in and out you really get to know the teams but because of covid it had to actually go all virtual lucky enough i think it's like 90 percent of the startups in xi were actually all local so we did end yeah. up getting to meet a lot of the founders in person just kind of we'd like grab drinks and stuff but yeah no it was mm. it was awesome and kind of what i tell everyone is I moved to Colorado Springs to learn about entrepreneurship. I went through four years of college and so much time volunteering at startup organizations. In our 16 weeks there, I learned more than what that four years of college, mm-hmm. all of my commitment to like volunteering, all of my commitment for getting with coffee with people. I learned more in 16 weeks than anything that I'd done previous. Really? That's, that's, that's yeah. you know, I, I'm not... That's so cool. So like, it's like, what were your kind of biggest takeaways from going into an accelerator? Just like the realness of a startup and like that sort of thing, or like what more, what was it? It was, it was so cool. And like, I would say to answer your first question, the biggest takeaway is when you want to start anything, whether it's like, if someone's listening to this, whether it's a startup or if you're like, Hey, I just want to start a small business or I just want to go sell some jewelry on Etsy is the number one thing you should focus on is product market fit. And there's so many other things to get distracted by. Like we kind of fell into that pit. We're like, we're going to make an app. Now we got to make our logo. We got to pick our colors and we got to make our branding. We got to make our social media. But what we kind of learned after 16 weeks is none of that matters if you don't have a customer, but no one really likes to talk about that. They, they gets very brushed over and it's not attractive. It's talking to Mm -hmm. people, getting data, actually telling people your idea and getting harsh feedback is not attractive, but envisioning the company is attractive and i would say that's the biggest thing we learned and they pushed is okay yeah you have an idea it's cool but like do people really want this and if you can answer yes to that how do you prove people really want this it's sales baby yeah Yeah, that's it it's like like it's the difference between like uh like the person that says oh i want to run a startup and the person that's actually money making money and like getting sales in their startup, whether that's like getting advertisers or whatever, that's a big jump in that. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, we're, we're going to go do all this stuff. It's like, if you really focus like on that first hundred customers is it's so much better. Like that's what I've been doing recently. Cause it's like, 
I, I remember when I was first starting, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go raise a crap ton of money. That's my goal. I'm just going to raise a crap yeah. ton of money, throw a bunch of money at the problem and then figure it out. And that was like my plan because I've always been a pretty good sales guy. But it was like, I, I watched this thing, uh, but it's Brian, I think it's Chesky, the Airbnb guy. Like I, I was listening to this thing about him and he said, it's like, it's better to, fo- it's better to have a hundred people that are obsessed with your product than to have a million people that are just like, oh, your product's okay. So if you focus really hard on those first like 100 people to make that product market fit, that's so important to show that there's an actual need for it, and that then they are, are they're going to be the biggest advocates for your product, which I think is really cool. So, oh yeah, no, that's really I, like that's, touching that's, on yeah. it. If you don't do that, if yeah. you're trying to do anything and you don't do that, you are constantly going to fight an uphill battle. You are never going to win oh, yeah. because you're going to we we fell into this pit fall that's why i know it you're always going to be Mm -hmm. focusing on something else you're always going to be trying to find something else to validate you but if you literally just go out and either say hey i sold something to someone or hey i have people signed up to use this it is going to make your life so much easier and it's going to validate all the crazy thoughts in your head everyone's like is this worth it do people care if you can do that Mm -hmm. you're going to be starting i'd say 10 steps ahead of anyone else that's trying to start something that's not doing that. That's not collecting data to prove someone wants it. That's not selling the actual product. And that is something I think they push really heavily. And that's the biggest takeaway for our company and just anything I do in the future is don't focus on the really cool marketing and attractive branding things right away. Just figure out, does someone Mm -hmm. want this? Because if you go here and you skip all these steps, you have to go back and re-figure everything yeah. out. Yeah. That's also another, it's such a weird balance, man. Cause it's like, it's really hard. Cause when you look at like a lot of like the really crazy startups, when they were talking about product market fit, like when you look at Airbnb, people thought like, Oh my gosh, these guys are crazy. But like, and that like the idea and the revenue model, like didn't really exist in the form it was now. But then it, now when I'm talking about it out loud, it's like, well, they got people to do it. So that's, that's the justification. It's not about what, people thought that they should do. It's about like, what are people's actual behaviors? Yeah. Like I think there's a big difference between someone saying they want to buy a product or they use a service and the person actually using the service consistently. Yeah. I, so that's, it's, yeah. it's just such a pitfall. I see so many people like fall into, whether it's anything where you said is I go raise capital. I have an idea. Then we figure this issue out. It's a lot easier yeah. to have a bunch of customers, not that good of a revenue model and then figure it out because the customer is already there. Yeah. Where, that's why I'm software, man. That's it. So many yeah. startups go, hey, we got this product. We don't have that many users, but if we have this money, we'll have this many users. And then they get that money and they're like, whoa, okay, we never actually oh, yeah. figured this out. The money didn't do it. Someone at XI said it. I read it somewhere and it said investment shouldn't be a band-aid. It should be an accelerator. So it should take whatever you have now and make it bigger, not fix the issues you have now. It should only be used for growing the company, not well, you know, we don't have a product yet, so we need money to make a product. And then, well, if we have the product, then maybe we'll have customers. It shouldn't be fixing problems. It should be only expanding things. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. That's, that's a quote. I'm going to use that. I, I read it somewhere. That's it was really, not mine. I literally read it that's somewhere. That's so good. No, no, I'm giving yeah. that, that. That's Lee's no, quote. No, it's definitely not mine because I think it was someone <laughs> pretty popular on Twitter. I read it. So definitely not me. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like a good way to think is uh, yeah. if you're saying – I want to raise money, ask why. And if it's because I have so much yeah. demand that I just can't do can't it, yeah, it, then it makes sense not. Yep. We fell in this pit. We fell in the exact same pitfall you discussed. 
we had this great idea for an app. Let's go get money to build the app. And then it's like, well, do you have customers? Like, do you know, just like, do you know how like people pay you? How does this work? And then you start going, oh, and then you're like, I should probably figure those things out. If I want to be taken like like, respectful, like, yeah. So that was the biggest thing they touched on. The program was amazing in itself. And it was, it was a Mm -hmm. really surreal feeling. And I'm sure it would have been different if it was in person. To yeah. start day one with complete strangers, like like people you have no clue who they are, because there's mentors and other companies, no clue who these people are. Mm-hmm. And then by the final demo day to be like just like a huge hurrah. Like everyone was helping everyone, everyone was uplifting everyone. You're like, we just went through mm-hmm. 16 weeks, would be like four years of college, like the co- type of content you process. So yeah. just like such a surreal feeling of the final day of like, we did it, like everyone did it. And from like day one to the final day everyone came so far and looked so much better as a company. It was just crazy to see mm-hmm. the growth for like everyone. And that was probably the coolest thing is meeting all the other people yeah. in the program and the mentors and seeing how far everyone oh, yeah. came with each other. That's so cool. Yeah. So like, so you, like, what would you say are like the biggest jumps that your company made while you were in the accelerator? What were like the things that you really yeah. got and progressed? So thankfully to a man named Jan, who was our mentor. And then another uh, individual named Le- and Jan, the man. Yeah, Leaf, who Leaf <laughs> yeah. was the entrepreneur in resident. And they, we, we owe everything to them. Yeah. Like they're two mm-hmm. crazy smart people that have exited numerous startups and working with them in 16 weeks was we pretty much came in with our startup and tore everything apart with them. Literally like everything mm-hmm. from how we get users, who we're targeting, how we make money, proving we actually have customers. So I'd say the biggest thing we changed was our revenue model. And that was always our huh. weak point that kind of touched on what we were just talking about is we're like, oh, we're for sure. like, Who's gonna we're like people are going to like subscribe to the app and, you know, like they'll pay a f- uh, fee to get access to coupons on the app, our users. And then once you start talking to intelligent people in the industry, they go, hey, I'm in the app world. You know, only about 4% convert to paying for an app. So how many customers do you need to actually make money? And you start like running numbers in Excel yep. spreadsheet and you're like, this isn't going to work. Oh, it, yep. oh, did, did I ever, oh I, did I ever tell you about the Hershey, the Hershey kiss study? No. Okay. So this is one of the things that I was thinking about when I was like getting started. Cause I was like, Oh, so there's a, one of the, the one of the biggest things in like, they, they had this person and they said, okay, you can buy a Hershey kiss or this really fancy chocolate. Right. So you have to pay five cents for the Hershey kiss, or you have to pay, I think it was like, 25 cents for the fancy chocolate and almost everyone bought the more expensive chocolate so then they made okay so you have to pay 20 cents for the more expensive chocolate or the hershey kiss is free and over i think it was 98 percent of people versus i think it was i'm trying to remember the numbers it was just it was way more people would bought the free one it was it wasn't even close even though it's the same price differential hmm. and that's just something i want to like emphasize for startups it's like if you're trying to get people to pay for something like without giving some sort of value first, it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard to monetize that way. That's kind of oh, what we were doing. Yeah. We were like, well, our value is phenomenal. We're going to give users coupons, discounts, BOGOs. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we didn't actually have those yeah. coupons. So it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I so, got no, you. The, our problem was what you just said though. We're like, well, we have this great value. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, if I'm a user and I want to pay, can I get it? And we're like, we don't actually have those coupons. So it was like mm-hmm. fake value. And then when you look at our target demographic mm-hmm. being college kids, they don't necessarily like have a lot of income. 
So trying to charge them wasn't the smartest yeah. play. So what we actually did is we completely flipped 180. And now we're mm-hmm. targeting towards the restaurants, actually, our customer. So we're more like B2B. And the reason we picked that is, especially with COVID, it's never been more apparent. We always said is restaurants want foot traffic. And one thing every restaurant wants is unique identifiers. How can my restaurant be better than the person next to us? So we worked with these mentors on is what if we flip the script and we say, hey, we send you business, you pay us. And we set a X dollar amount per user. And if they come to your restaurant for our dinner parties, you pay us for it. So they're only paying if they're converting the restaurant. And it, it, it's Super instantly smart. scalable. Because our issue was, hey, yep. we're going to do a subscription model with users. Well, if you only have 4% converting, you need ten to 100,000 users to make money. With this, the minute one group goes into a restaurant, we start generating revenue. So we that, that was kind of the biggest thing we took away from it was, one, completely dissected our business model. Two, went and actually met with restaurants in Colorado Springs and said, like, here's what we do. What are some challenges you face? And is there a way this could work? After actually doing that, which is not like attractive, what I touched on in the beginning, we found out oh, yeah. restaurants want marketing and they're actually sick of paying marketing agencies for marketing because it's hard to track ROI on if they run an ad. Oh, yeah. But with, yep. but with us, it's instant ROIs. You only pay if people are converting through our current model. So that was kind of the biggest thing we took away. And walking away from that, we had like 10 restaurants that said, hey, like whenever this happens, we will sign a contract to do this with you because we we want this. We want you sending college kids here. We think we have a cool restaurant and with your service, it'll make our restaurant way cooler than any of the ones on this block or this part of town. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the biggest thing we learned. A lot of the other stuff, luckily going into the accelerator, we had pretty rock solid. Yeah. That's that's really cool. That's a really good way of that's a that's an awesome shift because well, it's like it's very it's very it's very hard and it's also it's kind of like you got to take away your ego, which is one of the hardest things. He's like a lot of the times I know for me being a founder, it's like I feel so attached to this idea, and then I'm like I never want to like ever let it go. And then you are like you're looking at data, and you have to be able to change your mind, which is you have to be like okay, this is what my team's telling me, this is what my mentors are telling me. I got to listen to this and realize that this is the opportunity here, and I have to like not not just be like, oh, I already have this idea, so now I'm just going to stick to it. Yeah. Being able to shift and change is super important. The biggest eye-opener so. is Chris Franz. Yeah. He's a pretty relevant angel investor, I believe. Correct. I could be wrong, but angel investor, I know he does investments in the kind of Carlos Springs region. He gave a talk at the accelerator of like, how do you actually make money? And he's like, have any of you guys heard of a pro forma? And a lot of people are like, no. And he's like, you know what a pro forma is? Is it's pretty much projecting all of your income, all of your expenses, and then how it grows with the business. And then when we sat down with our subscription model, we're like, this doesn't work. And the point of that talk was to show a lot of startup companies is, does your revenue model even scale? Will it even make you enough money to like offset your expenses? And that was kind of the most important talk where we made a pro form and we modeled yep. out like three years with like average user growth in the app industry. And we're like, this model, we don't make money for like three years. And yes, you can get away with that depending on where you're at with investing mm-hmm. more so yeah. may like the, maybe the Bay area, but like in Colorado, Colorado and other Oh, states, you got to make money now. It's yeah. going <laughs> to be a lot harder to have those investment conversations. If you can't say, Hey, we don't have money now, but here's our pro forma. Here's how we make money. This is when we make money and it scales. Yep. And that was kind of his like big talk was if you want to get investment and you want to be respected, come in with a pro forma and prove that your model can make money and offset your expenses 
and it scales. And that's kind of when we started working with the mentor to dissect ours because that was kind of an eye opener of we're like, we'll, we'll change the price from $4 to $7. I'm like, no, that still doesn't do it. And I'm like, well, okay, change the users from 30,000 to 50,000. We're like, no, that doesn't work. And then after just trying to skew all the data, you find out this model just doesn't work. There's no way we can fudge these numbers to make this model work. And that's when you go back to the drawing <laughs> board. Yeah, you can't do the magical accounting yeah, being like, like, oh, we have a if we have a hundred million users, it will be yeah, fine. Like that, yeah. like, that's what so many people do though. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, we're gonna launch yep. it at two thousand users like first month. I was like, that's totally doable. But I don't think what people understand is it's a lot harder getting people than they think. And then when they're making these pro oh, yeah. farmers, they're just throwing these absurd numbers out. And it's like, where did you get that number? Like, do you really think you're gonna get hundred thousand users in one quarter? Like, yes, it can be done, but that was kind of the biggest eye-opener for us is we spent a week on financials in the accelerator and it was like, get industry numbers of growth, take your revenue model, plug them all into this calculation and see, does this work? Do we need to increase things, lower things, focus more on marketing, change our customer? And for us, it came down to looking not at the user as the customer, but more as the, the restaurant as the customer. And then after meeting with restaurant owners, it's like, wow, this makes so much more sense. Why don't we think of this two years ago when we came up with this idea? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's really identifying your customers really tough. Cause it's, it's like, it's one of the, it was just a quintessential thing that I think you're, I think you're totally right. When people over a glance over it, because how many people do you know? They're like, Oh, I want to start a t-shirt business. I want to, I want to go do this. I want to start a clothing brand. Everyone in their, in their brother probably is wanted to start a clothing brand, but when you really identify it and you're like, okay, who's my actual customer. And after I get all my friends that have bought t-shirts, who else is going to buy them? And how am I going to be able to scale this? being able to figure out, okay, how can I make sure that I'm not losing money when I'm buying all these shirts and, and stuff like that. It's just really identifying that customer super important. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well, cool. I could man. like Dang. hammer to death yeah. product market fit, but like you touched on oh, it. Yeah. So many people say, this is my customer. We, we found this pitfall. Yep. So many things I'm touching on were like mistakes we made in our first year as college students that I can mm -hmm. preach on. As we said, this is our customer. We know it's our customer because we're our customer. And then it goes, well, did you sell this to anyone or did like anyone sign up for it? And it's like, mm -hmm. maybe who you think your customer is, isn't your customer. I think so many early stage startups love playing that game. I see is they have on their mm -hmm. fancy slide deck. Here's our customer and they have all the data about their customer and it looks great. <laughs> yep. And then it's like, well, did anyone in that demographic even buy or use your thing? And that's yeah. like, that's one, I think huge things of why product market fits important is because it makes your life so much easier. You can go on the stage and say, here's our customer. And the reason we know this is our customer is we have 400 of these people on our mailing list waiting to use the app instead of these are our customers. They launch, no one downloads it. They spent all their marketing dollars targeting that audience. And they go, why isn't that working? And then it feeds into the ego thing you say, where then they're like, no, I know it's yeah. this customer. And it's like, well, maybe it's this Y customer, not the X customer. And they're like, nope, it's the X yeah. customer. I just need to keep marketing into them. And then a year later, yeah. and they spent all their money on marketing. They have no users. And they're like, oh, I have to close my business down. This is too hard. Yep. And yeah, it's just when you look at the freaking small business closure rates, it's it's scary right now. It's like, I think it was 60% of all small businesses closed in 2020, which is just ridiculous, which is also crazy because that's your market. And it's like, the, I think one of the biggest problems for them is they aren't willing to go do And now it's like, I think for you and I, because we're both selling to these small businesses and restaurants and stuff. It's like, it now is like the perfect time for you to sell your software and for me to sell my software. Cause it's like, we literally can like, 
almost be the rescuer for these businesses and help them have these new opportunities. But if they just are keep going to say like, you know, keep like, uh, um, you know, I think I remember there was this, there was this one business, uh, in, in, in Colorado Springs. It was like, they had a really good breakfast burrito. Um, I think it's King chef diner and they never took, they never took credit cards and they only paid cash and like, and they never did that. And then I saw they closed down one of their locations and I was like, I wonder why they closed down. Cause they were so emphasized on never doing any delivery apps, never doing any of that stuff. They, sh- they, they didn't even do outdoor dining at least for a while. And now I think they have one location, but it's just for, for that business. It's like the, like the kind of, Oh, I want to hold on to this thing that I'm never going to shift my business model a lot of the times that's what leads you to die. Like what you're saying. Yeah. So, so that was actually funny yeah. is when we came into the yeah. accelerator, a lot of companies were kind of in the same market as us. And they're like, Oh yeah. Every mentor first question is to so like COVID you, you can't escape it. Like everyone hates beating into this, but COVID how, how like, mm-hmm. how are you going to survive that? And what we found out working with our mentors, you kind of touched it, touched on it is yeah. COVID helped us and people don't get that Oh, for sure. Because one, yep. our whole thing was people are lonely and it's hard to meet people. Well, with COVID yep. locking everyone up, we've seen isolation and loneliness has skyrocketed. And then two, the yep. desire Amen. to go out and do something has never been higher. And then when we met with restaurants, the, it was kind of a wake-up call, like you said, hey, we can't keep doing things the way we did it. And what we learned, too, is if they survived when we talked to them, it was around October, if they survived to October, yeah. they're probably surviving. But they need to mm-hmm. rethink coming out of this. So, so many yeah. restaurants were so game to try this because they're like, hey, I only pay you money if you're converting me people. So there's no upfront cost. Two, when we have dining resume, I just need people in here. I, I just need it. Like whatever you can do to get me people, I don't care what it is. I just need money. And it almost took our problem, yeah. which was maybe hard to articulate at times because everyone's like, oh, there's Tinder, there's Meetup. And then COVID hit and it's never been more yeah. apparent that people want to go out and meet people. It's never been more apparent that mm-hmm. restaurants need something to make them stand out and give them something unique for people to come back, to keep going, to drive new foot traffic in the door, to show them, hey, you can't mm-hmm. keep just taking money. Like you need to try things. So coming out of the accelerator and when we pitched and talked to investors, it was very much the opposite. It was like, yeah, COVID, you know, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's a pandemic. It's got everyone locked up. But pretty much what everyone's saying is when this ends, there's going to be an explosion in dining out. There's going to be an explosion in going out. There's oh, going to be an yeah. explosion in wanting to meet people. So we're like, in reality, yep. it wasn't a bad thing in terms of us, like in terms of our business situation. But when COVID first hit, I mm-hmm. remember thinking, we're like, what do we do? Like, what do we do? We're, we're completely screwed. We're completely screwed. And then after being around mm-hmm. super smart people for 16 weeks, you learn how to take yeah. it and flip it and make it a positive. Yeah. I remember I, I, I shot you a text at the very beginning. I was like, dude, what's going on? Like this, all this COVID stuff. I literally, I yeah. thought about your business. I was like, holy crap, you're selling yeah. <laughs> all this stuff to restaurants. And it was like, oh, oh crap. And then you're like, yeah, we're, this is actually, the, you're completely right about people with this isolation. Like I remember I talked to so many of my friends. It's like, man, as soon as like restaurants are back opening up, I'm not eating at home for like yeah. a year. Well, it's not even <laughs> it's that. Like, you're like, dude, I just yeah. want to go out. Even if I'm just getting a drink yes. with a friend, like yeah. I just want to go somewhere and be around people because I'm so sick of my little bedroom that I work out of, I go to school out of, I sleep in, I do everything in. Yep. And yeah, we got so many texts when COVID first hit from people like, what are you going to do? And this is like when COVID first hit and it was like, oh yeah, we're like, we don't know. We're just going to pause and just like assess the situation. 
and figure mm-hmm. out how to roll with it. And then luckily getting yeah. into XI, meeting a lot of smart people, we were able to go, we still have something. Yeah, COVID made it a little harder, but here's how to come out of it stronger. Yep. Like I, I tried to use like COVID is really like my springboard and a man, I made a, I made a heck of a lot of mistakes and I was trying to figure things out and, you know, and then it really like, honestly, now I'm like talking about it, it was really the biggest shift that happened for me is when I actually was just like, okay, I'm going to get boots on the ground and just actually sell. Like, instead of me trying to, you know, make a really fancy slide deck or do all this stuff, just convey what my product and service does to the actual customer, to the person that's legitimately going to be using my product you know, buying my product and selling to them. That's how you really figure out like, Hey, this is the stuff that you need to fix. And then you have that, that customer that's like, Hey, this is too complicated. I don't understand this. And you have that open line of communication. That's how you figure out what you need to fix or what you need to improve upon. I I can't harp on that so much. Like, because we spent two years in college. That's why I'm saying we Mm -hmm. spent two years in the company trying that, making the fancy pitch decks, trying to have meetings with investors, having investors say, hey, we're going to invest. And then all of a sudden the check doesn't show up. Spending so much time saying, well, what if we made that prettier? What if we designed it? Doing all these things when like 16 Mm -hmm. weeks of this accelerator taught us, just go find someone who will use it and you'll learn more of the two years we tried just trying things and trying things and it was it was like right in front of us but we didn't want to take the glasses off of maybe we should go get people who want to use this test one if this works (laughs) and then if that works then focus on the other thing and i think that's something so many people our age fall into is when i was in a startup scene at uccs and just meeting other startup people in the environment that were young is it's so Mm -hmm. easy to get caught up in the really fancy attractive things and lose sight of like what's actually going to make you win mm-hmm. because no one talks about sales that. Everything. It's, it's not cool it's not attractive like when you watch these movies zuckerberg is like i had the idea and then put it out and then boom we're rich and it's like no one actually yeah. ever talks about what goes into actually making a successful startup and then being mm-hmm. an xi and having speakers come in that have exited numerous companies you quickly learn all yeah. that stuff doesn't matter and just yeah. having market fit matters because you can fit, you can figure mm-hmm. anything out if you have product product market fit. If you don't have that, you can't you yeah. can't just make it if your product's not actually worthy. Mm-hmm. You can't just make make people want it. Yeah, that you can't you can't fake demand. I think that that's a really that's a good bar. Yeah, um, that's and I think yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to say, oh, everyone's going to use our, our dating app or everyone's going to use my new Facebook or whatever. Cause every, like, man, like I, I remember when you were sitting in the UCCS class, we had like four people pitch Facebook. It was yeah. crazy. Like in the same class, it's like, oh, you know, we just want to create a network of college students across the US. And then I was like, that's Facebook. It was just, it's just really weird because you get caught into all this like startup hype. And then yeah, it's like, oh, it's I'm gonna have, I need to get a million users. And then I'll make a then I'll make a bajillion dollars, yeah. and that's and it's just not like that. Yeah, there's like a lot of it's, yeah, especially because one of the one of the things that I I suck at doing is I compare myself to those dudes, and I'm like, oh man. By the time Mark Zuckerberg was like 20 years old, he just signed his first million dollar you know investment uh, check for Facebook. What am I doing? And then I got, I, but it's like that's not a realistic expectation, and like I. Man, I've been doing all this stuff about like Japanese like philosophy, which is really weird and like stoicism because like the biggest enemy that you have, I think, in a startup is genuinely yourself and your ego. 
Cause it's like, if you can take yourself out of that and then be, look at the, the situation like COVID really negative thing and trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to position myself to really capitalize on this and make my startup a lot more attractive to my customer and show them that I can shift and I can move due to any circumstance that happens. So yeah. Touching yeah. on just what you said, funny enough, the first yeah. talk at Exile, like the first kickoff thing was yeah. by, um, the founder of XI, and I believe he actually raised, I could be wrong, but I, he mm. raised, I think almost the most amount of VC capital in Colorado Springs ever. I forgot what his company's mm-hmm. name is, but, um, and he pretty much just presented all these statistics of like how startups fail and how many of them fail. It was like day one. He's like, Hey, I'm not trying to mm. bump any of you out or quit. What I'm trying to teach you guys is it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we, yes. like, we, we idolize these Facebooks and these Airbnbs and these Twitters. And he's like, but it's just not the truth. It's like not even a percent of startups are that. And he's like, and I show you this because I want you to be proud of what you're doing. And I don't want you to get down on yourself, but you need to understand this is a marathon game. It's not a sprint. And they only like mm. to show off the sprint companies because it's attractive to anyone. It's like, can a millionaire in three years? It's just like, that's just not the case. Hmm. it's 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 longer oh, sure. and he like showed all the stats and it and he's like so that's why like at the end of 16 weeks you might not be a million dollar company but what you're going to be is you're going to have a foundation to build a million dollar company and don't get caught up on those mm-hmm. small things of like the facebook's the mark zuckerberg's because those are just like yeah. such anomalies in the industry that everyone looks up to but it's like that's not how these things work Oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's one of the, I think, uh, I think it's like the, the killer of growth is comparison. I think that's one of my favorite quotes. Cause as soon as you start to compare yourself to all these other guys and you're not focusing on what you're doing and you get too much caught up in like, Oh, what is everyone else doing? Then you're not able to really actually care about your customer for your startup or whatever you're doing. If you get into that, that mindset where you end up just comparing yourself all the time, you totally end up losing and then you don't grow. And then you just become a worse version of whoever you're comparing yourself to instead of the best version of whatever your company is. Oh yeah. Like, like I said, we spent two years and our two years with the company was like this ups and downs and ups and downs. And all of these things you're touching on. We, we, we hit one of those, whether it was at the high, the low, the low, the high is you figured those things out. Mm -hmm. We were like, Oh, Why yeah. am I wasting time on this? This isn't even important. After like months mm-hmm. of yeah, like focusing on your ego, if you just and that's the one thing Exide did really good at is breaking everyone's yeah. ego down and saying, "Hey, everyone in this room in this Zoom meeting actually is here to help you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone in the Zoom. So you yeah. have to be open to feedback, and you just have to listen to people because I promise you, they'll take you farther than if you just come in and you're like, "I know what I'm doing. I just need some resources." And it was so apparent by the end of the program is everyone was just everyone was helping everyone like literally didn't matter anyone's coming like hey you should do this like one of the startups was um from chicago and one of the founders literally mm-hmm. called me like 9 a.m he's like i just was in my bed thinking about your company and i had an idea but it was like in that ecosystem and i think that's a mm-hmm. nice thing about accelerators is it's not a competition yeah. and so much startup feels like a competition where this is like you're all brought into one and you're one you're all a part mm-hmm. of this accelerator and we want to see you all win and then you can just like help everyone and everyone wants to see everyone grow. And it's not like that competition, which we've done a lot of startup competitions, like pitching competitions. Oh, yeah. It's very like, mm-hmm. very kind of like, I don't like the vibe of it. It's because startups succeed mm-hmm. when you help each other, like not just tear each other down. And yeah. these competitions are so much on like, who is the prettiest numbers. And regardless if those numbers are even real and 
that was the most refreshing thing to us is having yeah. a network of people yeah. that are like, I'm going to help you. I'm thinking about your company. You're thinking about my company. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dang. You have you ever read the infinite game by Simon Sinek? No, but I'm very familiar with who he is, but I haven't read any of his books. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we just, he came out with uh, this book. I think it was like actually like the other day um, that I just read. Um, it's called the infinite game. And it literally just talks about that. Like the way to succeed is not by like looking at whoever's next to you. Like that's my competition. And then I need to like beat them and win. It's, it's about really focusing on how can I bring value to my customer? It doesn't matter about who, like in, in terms of like, also like when you look at like whoever your competition is, it's like markets are so big and so massive that like when you carve out your little, you know, 1% chunk, you're going to be doing really, really well. And if you just think that, oh, I shouldn't ever collaborate with another startup because they're going to take venture capital money away from me, that's just like honestly ignorant. And you're going to end up losing to that startup that's going to be like, hey, you know, I see that we do kind of similar things. Have you ever, have, I would love to do a collaboration with you or like a fundraiser for like, like, let's say something that you could do. Like, you know, how the Barstool Fund happens. Like you find another startup that's like trying to do something with restaurants. You say, hey, I'd love to get some of our resources together and see if we can go give some value to all these restaurants that are going through stuff. And then you have that collaboration and then you don't end up actually like, it, it doesn't make both, it doesn't make you less valuable. It makes you more valuable because you're willing to bring more value even when it might be sacrificial. And if I'm an investor and I see you do that, that's going to be really attractive for me to want to put money into your company. So that's the kind of, that's not like exactly what the infinite game talks about, talking. but it's really it's, cool. It's like it's collaboration, not competition. It's really sick. Oh so, yeah. That's I mean. We, we touch on that yeah. so much in our like pitch deck of like a competition. Everyone's like, Oh my God, your industry is so busy. And I'm like, everyone has like six social mm-hmm. media apps on your phone. Well, what about Tinder? What about this? And we go, well, one, like fundamentally those apps are broken. Day one, they were built around sucking you in and keeping you on your phone. We're, we're in the same industry, but we're focused on actually providing the users of these apps what they want. Yeah. Meeting people, not sucking them into our app and saying, oh, we got them to open Facebook six times today. It's no, we're providing them like value and that's what's going to make them come back. Not how can we focus on the competitor and get them to open our app more like six times a day instead of four times a day. And that's a big thing we yeah. hit on is like social media apps are fundamentally broken. And if you try to compare us to that, that's what we're literally the anti of. And if we're trying to make a social yeah. media app that's actually social, that actually meets mm-hmm. people, that's actually in real life, not Facebook that's social media, but it's literally you're just scrolling through a screen, not talking to anyone. Yeah, man, I, I have this really, I have this terrible relationship with social media because it's like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, this is a great promotion tool. But in terms of like me as like a human being, it's so bad for your psyche, especially when we're talking about comparison and seeing, oh, you know, oh man, this person yeah. that, you know, I went to college with, they're, they're like doing all this cool stuff. There's them on the private jet or whatever. And that's who you're comparing yourself to. But then it's like, it's so unhealthy. Oh, it's, I think it, it's tough, especially like I touched on. It's like when I came into college, I met a lot of upperclassmen yeah. and it's like those people are older than me now and they're doing crazy things. And it, it's, it's so tough to compare yourself to that. And finally I came mm. to the realization where it's like, they might be on chapter seven. I'm on chapter two of like our life book. Mm. And it's just like, yeah. I'll be at chapter seven at one point, but I'm at chapter two right mm. now. Just cause someone's at chapter seven yeah. doesn't mean you have to be there. 
you'll get there. Yeah. And yeah, no, that, that is, that is rough. Especially like I said, is when you meet everyone oh, in the yeah. startup world <laughs> and you meet all these companies yeah. and you're meeting all these people adding like, them on oh, LinkedIn man. and you're like going mm-hmm. on your LinkedIn every day and you're like, what the hell? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> Son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah. I, I, know I feel so you, man. It's much. how it goes. I think everyone feels it though. Cause then, yep. then the guy used oh, yeah. to doing cool things. You're just looking at someone else doing the same thing. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just something It's also, it's like, you don't even know if that person's like actually happy. Like there's a lot of times when you see those people that like, like, like there's a thing is like, if you close like a $5 million round, you might feel like, Oh my gosh, I made it. That's it. Oh my gosh. Like it's, it's done now, but it's totally not. And then if you're not prepared that, Hey, it's like, I think there's this thing. It's like every, every stage, like whether you're in your seed, your series A, everyone's like 50% more work that you have to do exponentially. And there's, and there's different problems of scale that end up coming up and you don't even know what's happening. And you have this blissful optimism of like, Oh, everything's great. And then if you believe that and that there's never going to, Oh, I made it. I hit the goal that I wanted to achieve. Then you're going to end up feeling super unhappy and empty when you end up getting it. Cause you're like, Oh, this is everything. I just want to get to a million users. Okay. You hit a million users, but you, you, you hit those benchmarks and then you just, you might just be miserable and you might not like yeah, it. My biggest, and then you have to just prove it. Yeah. No, you're good. I didn't want to interrupt. My biggest thing no, is you're just, good. Like, no, it's, no, bro, not, you're fine. it's not sustainable. Yeah. Like you're going to burn out. You're oh, going to burn out. Like to summarize what you just yep. said is if you play that yep. game, because I, I think it's easy to play that game in college. And I think I played that game a little bit in college mm-hmm. is like, yeah. be better than your peers be in the top percent be doing cool things be having the college of business showing you off just a really good way to burn yourself out because then at the end of it like you mm-hmm. said you hit that goal and you're like what was this worth it like why did I, why did i do this yep. like did i actually like, care what? To do yep. this and if you get it you're like kind of like why and i, I just think like anyone playing that game mm-hmm. is gonna burn out and it's just a matter of time it's just a matter yep. of time and that's one thing COVID taught me is like our startup paused mm, yep. for like four months. Like we didn't really do anything with the company for like four months. And it kind of taught mm-hmm. me of like, why am I doing this? Do I want to do this? And the answer is yes. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, why do I want to do this? Because I love meeting people. And like, I actually believe in the company. Like I'd step back and like, look at it and be like, am I just doing this to like make cool social media posts? Or am I doing this? Cause I actually am excited mm-hmm. about this. And I think that's one thing XI kind of hit on too is like, if you're trying to build a company and you have no care for it, you're going to burn out because eventually you're mm-hmm. either not going to make that money and you're going to burn out or you're going to make that money and then be like, now what? And then burn out. And then you're going to be super empty. You burn yeah. out. You're going to burn out either way. And yeah, that was, that was one nice mm-hmm. thing about COVID is it like let all of us step back yeah. as a team. And we actually ended mm-hmm. up having one of our founders leave the company. And it was because of that. Mm-hmm. She's like, Hey, you know, like I love this idea. I love everything about it but I just don't know if this started things for me, you know, like I, I don't think this is where my passion mm-hmm. lies. And it was like, res- it's respect, yeah. respectable because you're like, yeah, you're not caught up in this game of like cool social media posts, meeting cool people, going to cool events, saying you have a company, you're like, nah, mm-hmm. like this isn't me. And I know if I stay in this yeah. game, it's just going to hurt myself. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard. And I think a lot of the times with startups is like, you feel like there's just going to be this great, automatic hockey stick growth <laughs> that every single startup has they always are like you know we just go up exponentially you know 50 percent year over year growth and it just it's not like that it's a really slow climb and that's something that i think needs to get emphasized more especially with building a business it's not like you just jump from zero to hundred thousand dollars in sales overnight it doesn't happen like mm-hmm. that 
there's a lot of systematic things you have to do focus on that product market fit and then figure out if it's for you and the thing is i think a lot of a lot of people they don't have the the belly for startup stuff it is super uncertain <laughs> and it's hard it's really hard yeah i mean <laughs> it's like like yeah. you hit on it perfect is like we we were that person yeah. i was that person i'm like we're gonna make yeah. this app we're gonna put it out and it's gonna be crazy and i remember i'll never same way I'll i never am forget yep. we launched our mvp one day i remember we like hyped it up so much got like actually some decent media behind it launched it and then like the next day we're like no one used it and you're like what just happened and it was like mm. the being able to get punched and stand back up and yep I just, I'll never forget that feeling. Like we built it, we did it. Ooh, we're going to launch it. We're going to have hockey stick. Like, let's go, let's go. Like, let's start telling everyone it's going to be a party. And then you're like, wait, no one used it. Why? And then I literally never forget Megan, one of our co-founders, her friend Mm. was taking a class at UCCS and they had to like audit a business, like just like kind of come in and look at their practices. And one day we were meeting as a team and she was there and we launched our MVP and she's like, Hey, I don't mm-hmm. want to budge in, but like, there's just a lot of stuff that confused me about this. And we started questioning her about it. And we're like, why did we not do this months ago? This is why no one used it. But it was like the light bulb <laughs> where she's like, Hey, like, I actually like your yeah. idea, but I'm just confused on how this works. And we're like, Oh, you are. Cause we were so much in our ego that we thought it was so easy to use. And we're like, and it's super that, intuitive. Yeah. It's an intuitive UI. It's, like, it's intuitive. That's yeah. why no yeah. one used it. Like the light bulb pops on. Yeah. But like stuff like that is yeah where you think like mm. we're gonna launch it it's gonna be a freaking party we're gonna be doing all this great stuff like every day we're gonna be logging in it's gonna be like 50 new users 100 new users 200 more users and it's like if you don't have product market fit that's not gonna happen because at the time we didn't have that mm. and then it's like yeah and then you're gonna get that and you're gonna just super doubt yourself and you're mm-hmm. gonna be like oh, is this idea worth it like i thought people said they were gonna use this and that goes back to the product market fit trap if you only interview your friends then you launch it you're like why is yeah. no one using no this? one wants to be no one wants to be the dick yeah. that's like this is this i'm not going to use like, this i don't everyone know everyone said they would use this everyone told me it was a great idea why is it not working yep. and you're like because your friends aren't yeah. your product market fit <laughs> they're not your users yeah. and that's yep. kind of what we actually learned is we're all of us are very social so we love this mm-hmm. app idea and we use it but our target demographic may not actually be the super social person because they probably have friends and we found out we're like, we were targeting the wrong people. Like we had the right ballpark cluster of people, but we were targeting yeah. the wrong pain point. And that's one thing we learned of like when we launched our MVP and then we went back to the drawing board, we're like, huh, all the people that signed up on our waiting list were our friends. And they were our friends because they're very social. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute, very sociable people aren't necessarily trying to go meet a bunch of people at times yeah. it's the person's like hey i just moved here hey i just moved for a job i just moved for college like i'm social but i just need to meet people that's our customer mm-hmm. and yeah it was, it was just fun i'll never forget that moment of like yeah. the hockey stick joke and then thinking you're gonna get yeah. it and then it doesn't happen yep. and you're like oh there it is man oh i get it. every yeah. single uh. startup event i've ever <laughs> been to any pitch night any competition everyone loves to pull that yeah. hockey stick slide and it's just like from what we've learned is unless you can prove that slide with like real yeah. data don't put in your deck yeah like so many mentors have oh, told us, i completely agree like, don't do it yep. don't like just don't if someone gets on that stage and they have it and in the crowd gets wowed any intelligent investor is going to know what's going on there. Like don't get glossy eyed by it. Yep. 
It's, it's really about the, the data, like, and not also figuring out what is your people actually using. I'm, I'm guessing you probably have read Lean Startup. So um, funny enough, I've never actually read the full book and to touch on it. Respect. You know, so to touch well, on it, boy. I don't actually read books. <laughs> I don't read books. I yeah. like, I just, I don't oh. like books. I'm very sociable and like ADHD. I just can't sit down and read a book. I oh, need yeah. people that are smarter than me and pull that knowledge from them. So in exponential, in fact, it was referenced yeah. a ton. So I know the whole Yeah, that's book, what I can imagine. But I'm like, yeah. I have actually like every cliche startup book, lean startup, all these things, never read. Mm-hmm. I can blindly never read, yep. never gonna read, just because it's like yep. I'll spark note it. I'll like I'll learn the principle. Yeah, I'll talk oh, that's to that's what I mean by reading it. That's what I do. Yeah. I do spark like, notes I'm all just, the time. Yeah, just not like <laughs> oh, so many startup founders. Like I read these books and yeah. it makes them qualified when they like name drop a book, and I'm like, no, I didn't read that. Yeah, but I can probably re- tell <laughs> you like, what no. was in it, like the concepts. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like that's that's one of my my things. It's like I think being able to track what your users are doing and keep that data and don't get like su- super like lovey dovey about your consumer being like this is how they're gonna utilize our app and do everything this in this way and you get like super like head in the clouds about and then you actually compare that to what are they actually doing where they're where's their actual attention at? Oh man, yeah. Like I think that. Yeah, and then it just gets better and better and better. Yeah. So like with those with those data points, that so. that opens up such a big rabbit hole of like when you're like, if I was to oh, look yeah. back at three ish years being in this game, what are the two most important things? Mm-hmm. My second thing would actually be yeah. MVPs, and that oh for sure is yes. we could spend hours MVPs. on that. It's like yep. we thought they're going to use the app the way we designed it, and then turns out talking to users. Maybe the way you thought it was going to work is not how your users actually want it to work. And that'll make or, make or break you. It's like you hit on is how are users actually interacting with this? Yes. And that is mm-hmm. like a whole thing in itself of like I spent hours on of like our first year mistakes where we need this app. We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this and this and this and this. And then it's like, is anyone even using it for that purpose? Like why are they actually using it? What do they actually mm-hmm. want? And that would be my other huge thing I've learned from this game is build a product for your customer, not for yourself. Cause I think every founder wants mm-hmm. to build a really sexy looking product for themselves. Mm-hmm. Ego. Yeah. We were like, yeah. we want this yeah. super cool app that has all these features and it's really nice to look at. So then when users download it, we look, we look like a real company. And then it's like, funny enough, the companies that are most successful have the most janky product but it solves the pain. Yep. Like, doesn't look nice. Doesn't yep. have that good of UX. But it just gets what they want done. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah, and that's how oh, man. One to, of the mentors yeah. in XI was is he told his story of how he built the company to selling it, and he's like, dude, the first product we shipped was so embarrassing, but it did exactly <laughs> what they wanted. Where we didn't. Sp- oh my god! Yeah, that was like such a pitfall we fell into, and so many of the startups in XI fell into. Where you're like, no, it needs to look great. And then Leaf, his name was, he's like, yeah. no, just put a product out. I don't care how it looks, just put it out. And he's like, you're gonna gain more information. Everyone's like, no, it needs to be pretty. And that's yep. that's something we've learned so much. And funny enough, a guy, I'm trying, I'm blanking on his name. Just too many names in my head. But he gave a talk a few years ago at Startup Week in Denver. Yep. And it was kind of, I think it was from Harvard Business School, this like analogy used, but he's like, when you have a startup, you want to build a Ferrari, but maybe you should make a skateboard first. It has four wheels, it rolls and it gets people places, but it doesn't have all the crazy things a Ferrari has. But you might spend four years building the Ferrari to find out your customers don't want a Ferrari, they want a bicycle. And it's just the very thing of like, start Hmm. small, solve the pain, 
slowly in, implement features, watch how your users are using it. So go from skateboard to scooter, to bike, to motorcycle, to car. Don't try to build a car right away if they don't want a car. And we found a pitfall yep. where we had to have all these features and had to do all these crazy things for no one to really care. They're more of like, I just want to meet people. I don't, I don't really actually care if it has these cool buttons on the app. Mm. And it goes back yeah. to just make, make the skateboard, just make it roll, make it get someone from point A to point B. Don't yep. need a Ferrari to do it. Oh, that is a great quote. I'm totally going to steal that. Yeah, man, that's that's so good. And that's like the thing with me is like I wanted the app too. You know, I fell into the app trap and I was like, oh, I need an app. Everyone I need an app does. so bad. Everyone, Everyone needs an app. And then and then I talked to a really good friend of mine. And he was like, hey, like you can solve this exact same need if you just have a literally a basic website that does your basic functionalities and can solve the problem for your customer. And you can do that and actually get sales, get to do what you like doing because I'm a big sales guy. And I can actually do that and not and just like get the product into his, in the hands of as many business owners as I possibly can. Instead of me trying to do literally teach myself React Native, go code it all, do all this so say, shit that I don't want it to. So funny, if you want a use case yep. scenario, yeah. to, you want a use case scenario yep. to explode it, that's us. And before I jump into yeah. it, actually, the guy who said that was Luke Hutchinson. Yeah. I would I would be yep. pissed at myself if I didn't say his name because I've, I've gotten, gotten to know Luke throughout the years and he's actually in the bay now killing it but he's from the springs and he's just killing it with his startup but yeah he gave the talk on that but um so perfect use case to just touch on what we were talking yeah. about is we we were using react we were using firebase for our database we were doing it all like crazy app like two years making it constantly running into bugs and then one of our mentors in college is like you just need to test this damn thing i don't even care if it's an app just like test it He's like, why don't yep. you just get people to sit at a table that have interests? And we're like, that's a genius idea. How did we not think of that two years ago? So what we did is we threw an event at UCCS, which you were at. Yep. Literally, yeah, baby. literally yeah. all we did was make a type form. It's like a Google survey. Ask them for their name and interest and email. Opened a spreadsheet. Made tables of four to five and just paired them per interest. Did the event and gained more information from that event then two years trying to build an app because we're like well, we need like yeah. ai to like pair interest we need like an algorithm <laughs> that needs to do this and he's like why don't you just use like a spreadsheet to like com- like just match people and we're like yep oh but gosh. it goes back to hockey stick we're like no we're gonna launch and like a spreadsheet won't handle the lo- amount of load we're gonna get like it's gonna be so many <laughs> users and then we got i'm gonna overpower yeah, excel yeah we yeah. got like 30 40 people signing yep. up for that event and it was like we just the day before sat down at starbucks with an excel spreadsheet just pulled the names and interest paired them on a spreadsheet emailed them an automated email so it looked techy and it literally was yeah. just pairing people using excel and that taught us more yeah. than trying to build an app in two years so if there's like oh, anyone yeah. that's listening to this when you publish it think yeah. of how you can prove your idea by just making it so simple like you said just like a web yep. page like how can you take your idea and yep. just boil it down to like the simplest thing and just go do that and then go build the cool ferrari but just take the skateboard yep. first it's it's like you it's all it's like it's like there's all these different steps and it's like a bunch of little baby steps it's not like oh i i there it is you don't get the exponential growth. It's all about the little, small, incremental growth over time that makes you be able to be in a position where your startup actually can win. 
it's not about the big fancy stuff. That yeah, that what you just said is what Leaf kind of hammered into yeah. us. The his uh, he was the yeah. entrepreneur in residence at XI, so he was a startup founder, exited a company, and now he works for startups. And he talks about his company, and he did that. That was their roadmap: is just make yep. it, ship it, get customers, figure out what they want, add those in, and just keep going up the stairs instead of just rock trying to rocket ship. And oh, yeah. just like looking back yeah. at it, like the one thing they want to teach you is if you've ever tried to start another company, you've now been taught the actual framework of actual yeah. successful founders, how they do this. It's not the create the crazy idea make it look super cool. Launch it like million dollar marketing budget, raise $500,000. It's just like, that's not how it tends to go. And yes, there is companies that do that. If you follow TechCrunch, you'll see a scooter startup raises oh, yeah. 10 million, but it's like, you can't get distracted that, by that. That pisses me off so much, man. I went up to Denver and I used Lime and the apps and the app just was not working for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a billion dollar company. That was a joke when COVID hit. I told my yeah. roommates, I was like, we should just start a scooter company. I was like, I'm on TechCrunch every it. day and scooters are raising like $50 million. Let's just start a scooter company at this point. Like, <laughs> just screw this, man. It's going to start it's ridiculous if you pay attention it's to these nuts. tech blogs yep. of like what these yeah. like scooter companies will raise 50 million and, and it's like it doesn't tell the whole story of it's like they're in the bay area they know the right vcs they didn't have a product yep. that was necessarily solving a pain some of these ones and it's yep. like focus on your customers no, i didn't want to walk around and now i have a scooter <laughs> it's <laughs> there well, it it's is like the first yep. scooter startup made sense but there's like yeah. six now they're all the same yep <laughs> no ours has different wheels on it that will be another billion dollars that's please. literally how that game goes and it's like yeah. when i'm just sitting oh, reading yeah. tech crunch you're like you just gotta like stop reading that stuff at some point because like the bay area oh, yeah. is such a just cluster of a mess yeah it's it's also crazy right now because freaking like the bunch of companies are moving from the bay area to austin austin and miami and, is whatever yeah Austin, Miami, yeah. It just is, that's just because everyone's all mad about COVID. And they're like, I don't, I want to go where COVID doesn't exist anymore. Denver's getting <laughs> good like growth there. too, but no one's talking about it. That's what really? I feel like. Not, not necessarily I, startups, but like very larger tech companies yeah. are moving to Denver. And I'm like, how come no one's talking about Denver? Like they have cool things going on. Dang. Like the redheaded stepchild of like people not yeah. talking about it. Like, because I go to startup yeah. week every year in Denver. Yeah. And they like talk about like what's going on. There's sweet things there. And I'm like, how come no one talks about this? Like on a national scale, but. I don't know. Twitter likes to talk about what Twitter likes. So you get a place like Austin yeah. and it's like, everyone likes Austin. If you don't like Austin, you're not a co-founder. You're, you're, you're dumb. Yeah, it's like first it was dumb, the Bay. And now it's like, Oh, if you're in the Bay, that's like you're left behind. That's now yeah, now it's Austin. And then yeah. from Austin is going to be somewhere else. But yeah, yeah that's a whole thing in itself. Yes. It's so weird. It's like, it's such a weird like landscape and there's such a wide variety of like kinds of founders. Cause you have people that are founders that go in like are from like the Yales, the Stanford's there's like an entire subset of like those kinds of people that, and then there's also just like a bunch of like startup people that sometimes even win that go to like, like the founders of Airbnb, like they, I know I hate to keep using them because we just talked about, don't compare. No, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's a good, <laughs> but like they went to some school scenario. in Rhode Island. Yeah. It's a good comparison. Yeah. It's like scenario. some, some guys in Rhode Island, you know, it's, it's weird because you never can bet on like, Oh, this person went to X school, got X grades. So now I'm going to bet on them. It's like, it's really about the product market fit. Which is everything kind of, keep, boils back yep. to that from what yep. I've learned is 
it yeah. really doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter your grades. It doesn't matter who you know, because we learned about this next eye. You can know the right VCs, mm-hmm. go raise $10 million. And then when COVID hits and you have a house of cards startup, it just collapses. It's mm-hmm. do people use this? And that's what our mentor and yeah. the entrepreneur and residents beat into us. But I think it's the most important thing is like, until you have those two things, you shouldn't worry about anything else. But in college and like yeah. reading all these news sources, it's so much cooler to focus on these things. Mm-hmm. The irrelevant, yeah. like, what's your brand motto? What does your brand motto matter if you don't even have someone using it? Then you don't if have, you don't have anyone to sell your company you to. Yes. I, we, fell, we fell into that pitfall. Like, I, because I'm, I'm yeah. a marketing background, I was, like, making the color palettes, the hex codes, the, like, website has to have the cool photos, Instagram has to have cool photos. And it's like, if you don't even have a product yeah. that people are using, why do you need these things? Mm. Yeah. But it's also, like, I think being, being able to, you call yourself out and we're like, I did these things and then being able to grow from it, which I, which is, I really respect. I, and I think it's write a laundry yeah. list of if you're in college writing, making, trying to make a startup, I could give you a laundry list of all the things I did wrong that I thought was yep. cool because it was based off of ego that if you don't do these things, you'll be so much farther along. I could literally write a whole gro- like grocery list. Like, don't do this. Like, I know it's going to look cool. Don't do that. Yep. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. Yep. And you'll look a lot better. Just focus on sales. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what, like, what does every successful business have in common? It's sales. It's it. Sales. Yeah. Actual money. Real money. Not imaginary money. Not, oh, we're going to get this eventually. It's like actual consistent revenue is what every business has in common. I remember there was and, a, oh, I don't know. You keep going. You're good. No, you're good. That's uh, literally it. That was all I was going to say. Yeah. They gave it XI, exponential impact. Whenever I reference yeah. XI, is, um, it was literally called sales is not a dirty word. And I believe Alex was the presenter's name. And it was hilarious where he's like, I sell things. I'm a founder. Don't think of sales as a sleazy car guy. Think of it as just like, I made something really cool. I'm going to go find someone who wants it and then learn from that yep. person how to make it better. And the whole talk was sales yeah. is not sleazy. Everyone has this perception of like car salesmen. No, it's, I want to go find people to use the cool thing I spent a year building. Yep. That's, that's it. And that's one of the things that I'm really grateful for is I literally like right out of high school, I worked at mattress firm and I sold mattresses and I learned a shitload about business just by selling mattresses. I'm not, I don't even care about mattresses. I learned the sales product process. I understand how to convey value. And those are all the things that I think makes me probably really valuable as a founder. So I really understand sales and you, and one of the things that I learned is you don't want to sell someone the thing that you think they want. You want to sell them with the they thing want, that they want. You want they want. And we, so we fell yeah. into the same pitfall. Can't, could, yep. couldn't be any more true after hosting that event, interviewing yep. our customers, figuring out why do you want this app? Yeah. In our mind, we wanted to make it because it was like a cool app, but they really wanted to solve X pain. But we were trying to, we were mm-hmm. trying to phrase it how we'd phrase it. And yeah, like, yes. Startup lingo another, and yeah, all another, that. Another like pitfall yep. that it's yeah. There's there's so much that the reason yeah. why I think accelerators are so amazing is most of the people that work there mm-hmm. are founders who have exited a company and they've made the yeah. same mistakes I'm referencing and they can go, mm-hmm. hey, I made that mistake. You have that relatability, yeah, and then I did the mm-hmm. other thing, and the other thing worked, and now I sold my company, and they can like yeah. teach you this stuff of like, here's what mm-hmm. actually matters. Of that stuff where, yeah. but it's like, cause if you've never done it before, how would anyone know that? Like, how, how would you know that? 
you know, like those things. Yeah. And that's, what's great about having like a good yeah. ecosystem, which is cool with what you're doing in a network. Yeah. With this podcast, I assume is the point of it is to yeah. just interview a lot of people doing cool things and kind of take their knowledge yep. and sprinkle it to everyone listening. And it's like, that was what my first two years in Colorado was, which is mm. meeting people and like learning tidbits of their wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like, I, I have this thing with me. It's like every single person on planet earth knows something that I don't and has, had, has gone through something that I haven't experienced and I can pull that information and then I can use that. It doesn't matter if it's like, this thing about like, there might be someone that you might not think is like a potential customer, but like, I remember I was talking with someone that like was like going through and trying to start, like actually just make a website. It was like, I think it was someone that was trying to make a photography website and they were just like going through and just talking about like what like what sucked about their website creation product process. And I was like, huh, like these are things I don't want to put in my website to make it complicated to use. And if I pull these elements and it's all that information, I think is like really, really good, especially like even if like I kind of have this really weird balance because I'm also super ADD and like yeah. it's really hard for me to focus and, but it's like, I get so much more out of these conversations than I did reading books. And I read a crap ton of books. Um, but it's like, it's, it's a lot easier for me to like put it into long-term memory when it's a conversation like oh, this. That was, and I think that's what, that yeah. was my game. That was literally my, I moved to Colorado and I said, Hey, I'm in. I, I yeah. don't know what to start a biz. I don't even know if I want to make one, but I'm just going to meet all these people mm. that did do it yeah. and just like, just sit and listen. Cause I, I can't read mm-hmm. a book and like what's a book going to teach you at the end of the day is like kind of one thing I've heard so many founders say yeah. too is like, yeah, you can read how to build the world's greatest startup, but it doesn't matter if it's not actually an effect. Like mm-hmm. those, if it doesn't actually impact your behavior. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, That's a, yep. I've never, I completely I've agree. Never been a huge book guy. Like I know there's some people out there that are, mm-hmm. I just, I, I just yeah. think doing it, failing, talking to people and trying things will teach you more than if I read this book by some famous VC oh, yeah. out of the Bay who is so out of touch with reality and is making micro trips for brains. Yeah. First things first, you ask your dad yeah. for a small loan of a million dollars and then you start your startup like, <laughs> and then you go do it. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, there's, a, there's a lot yeah. of that stuff with, with books and there's a, and you also, I think it's really easy to tell that there's a lot of people that are full of complete crap when they're writing a book, especially I think well, someone thing that makes me really mad is people that like sell the online courses of like, Oh, here's how you make money in your startup. And it's like, Okay, step one, you don't buy this internet course that tells you how to make money in your startup. Well, you, and the other thing start. is too, is if they're actually going to teach you how to make money, they're going to take equity. That's the yeah. statute is all accelerators take equity. That's true. All founders take equity because they're like, yeah. you got a good business. I'm going to teach you how to ex- like grow it, but I want to be a part of this. Why would a guy yeah. teach you how to become a millionaire for 20 bucks? Someone's going to teach you yep. to become a millionaire if they got 10%. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I want to try to do with the podcast is like, if imagine it's like, if I could get all these crazy guys to actually say like, Hey, this is what I'm looking for when I'm in, when I'm investing in a company, here's the exact things that I'm looking for. And it's just a really good rapport point. Cause also like when you're raising money, it's like one of the things is I think if I can start building relationships with people, that's going to be the best, best case scenario for me really making sure that I put myself in a position where I can bring a lot of value to the audience and I can build my
on my network. I can have my personal brand of me, which is a really weird thing to start thinking about, especially in a startup. Cause it's like, you're so interconnected with your brand. It's like, you are your company so much. So it's like weird having like this podcast. Cause like, also I really want to start highlighting a bunch of small businesses. And that's where I wanted, why I started the podcast. So I want to like sit down and like put it in audio forms. So then also I can listen to it back. It's also a lot for me. It's the podcast. Cause it's like, I, I've been jotting down notes of what we've been talking about this entire time. Cause it's like, I love just hearing the, like the things that you messed up and the things that I like, Hey, I see myself totally following this trap. Literally just now I literally was thinking about, I need to make my thing look really sexy and really cool. Everyone, does But it's it. like, if I Everyone does. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people that have told me you got to make it look really good, but it's like, I think if I can just get that functionality, that's the, that's, that's a, the hierarchy of needs. That's the most important functionality over everything else. So yeah. So there's like a few touch like points I touch on that you just hit. Oh yeah. Like, Sorry. No, I talked a bunch. Good. One of the guys <laughs> that was like, I can't remember his name, but he's one of the last people on the final week of exponential impact to talk. And he said, Hey, it was actually the meme of Spider-Man. You know, they're all pointing at each other and it was like yeah. marketing product raising money all of them's pointing and he's like where do i focus and he said you want a really easy way to not try to focus on a lot of things to say what's going to kill me in three months what would kill my company in three months and just focus on that and that's how you avoid getting caught in the i need my product to be sexy i need to build a brand i need to do this do that he's like what will kill you in three months identify what that is and go fix that that way you're not caught in getting caught up in marketing sales pitch deck Raising money, like all those things. He's just like, write one to three things, what will kill me or what will make me grow? Another way of phrasing it. Just focus on those. Yeah. And just like cut everything out. Like don't pay attention to Mm -hmm. that stuff. And that was, Mm -hmm. yet again, spent two years playing that game of marketing, raising money, pitch deck, meeting people, getting coffee. And it's like getting coffee with these people did not help me find product market fit. Product market fit is what will help me. Yep. Like, oh gosh, that's 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 that is phenomenal like, advice. You say you had the Spider Man meme. Yeah. He's like, and this will kill you. He's like, if you play this game of every, you're trying to do everything. Just focus on what matters. And then, yeah, funny enough, you're talking about what, uh, what is it? What yeah. do they look for when fundraising? And that was one yeah. thing I actually talked to executive director at Exponential Impact a lot mm-hmm. about. I was like, you know, you can roughly find everything out about startups, but why is it no one ever talks about what happens behind closed doors with investment? It's like this weird world that no one really talks about. Like, how do you raise money? Saves versus convertible debt. Like, what are they looking for? No one really bluntly says it. And so there was one week at Exponential Impact where they brought in just a bunch of investors. And it was just a ask them. It wasn't like a pitch. You just ask them any question you have. And I wrote a bunch of notes in a notebook. And I was like, I could email you those things. I know you said you want to touch on. Oh, I'd love that. I'm like, we literally got an hour discussion with uh, investors from Denver, Colorado Springs region. It was more of, yeah. What are you looking for? Like, no one bluntly says that. Like, what should I focus on? What should I not focus on? And what a really common theme was, I mean, this only matters at pre-seed and seed is they said team, team almost more than anything. And if, if your mm-hmm. team has a knowledge of what we just discussed about, like focusing on product market fit, not trying to overcomplicate things, getting a product to the market, making sure you have users, I will invest in them, even if they don't have product market fit, but the team is smart yeah. enough to see, hey, that's what we focus on. We just keep, we keep pivoting. They said when it- And be able to call ourselves yeah, out. Yeah. So when it comes to seed and pre-seed, that's almost the first thing they look at. They said, I don't even care about your revenue mm-hmm. model, really. I don't really care about a lot of things. I just care. Are you smart enough? Like, yeah, you got something here. Are you smart enough to go from here to here? 
And we can figure out the other mm-hmm. things along the way, but are you smart enough as a team or a founder to know what to focus on and what not to focus on and prove to me that you focused mm-hmm. on that. So in our pitch deck, we have so much data we've gathered. We have info from that event and we showed like, Hey, we went and listened to people. So we know there's a demand. Yeah. Our revenue model is good now. It might change in a year or two, but we yeah. got the core principle built. And so that's the first thing to mm-hmm. look on is did you kind of build the core and are you smart enough to pivot with it and not be like, so in your ego, yeah. like this is how the business works. It doesn't work this way. I'm killing it. And they mm-hmm. told us that's what it's they like, look for. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of the same stuff that I've heard. Um, it's like, like pre-seed. And also it's really different as you get to the different stages and it's like, there's, they look for different oh, things yeah. if, you're, if you're pitching. Yeah. With series a or your that, series yeah, B, it's very different like stuff. That stuff gets above my head. Yeah. Like whenever I talk to someone, like you like startups, I was like, I can talk to you about all the early stage stuff. And I don't want to be that guru that like sells people fake stuff. I I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah, series series A, B, C, that gets into a wild, wild world. Yeah. When you have like an HR department, you have like accounting, you have like, like you're big, you have an office, you have tons of people. That's a whole different beast in itself. Oh yeah. It's also, it's really weird. Something that like, I also like, I've started to think about is it's like, okay, am I, am I the guy to run the company long-term? Like, let's say like 40 yeah. years out or like what, it, or am I just the guy that's going to be like, Hey, for this like five year gap, this is where like, I'm like putting in the effort. Like, am I like, where's my role? And it's a, it's really weird. Cause there's a, not a lot of times where it's, it sucks to think about, you know, cause you have your little baby, your creation, you know, the thing that you've built from the ground up. And then you might have to be able to kind of take yourself out of the ego and be like, Hey, am I the person to scale this? Am I the person that I want to, that I want to do that? Or we just got to say, Hey, like, I don't think at least where I am at right now that I would be, that I would hire myself as CEO in 15 years from now. And what stuff can I do now? So 15 years from now, I'm the CEO and the business leader that I would want to be led by. And how can I make myself that person now? So I like, I've already started to think about that. It's like, how do I make sure that I'm adapting and learning constantly and talking to people, building relationships, listening to the right people, taking in information to like make myself 15 years from now, the best CEO that I can be and the best leader that I can be. Like, that's kind of like where I've been sitting in, in this kind of weird space. So you're the series A and B, all that stuff is super complicated. So I completely agree. It's really above my head too. So I answer that funny enough, just being around yeah. some of these older yeah. entrepreneurs. I think I actually have like an answer mm-hmm. to that. And it goes back to what we talked oh, yeah. about earlier. Funny enough is mm-hmm. what do you want? Cause if you chase that like perception, you're going to burn out mm-hmm. and it's like, what do you want in life? And that will dictate those mm-hmm. answers because some of the people we met, yeah. you know, I sold my company because what I wanted in life was a family and a kid. I could have kept growing with the company and became maybe some really fancy name, but is that what I want in life? Mm-hmm. And they're like, when I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to exit, I exited because there's mm-hmm. more to life than what I do. You know, my startup is not my life. Yeah. I am who I am, not what <laughs> I do. And a lot of them were like, I sold when mm-hmm. I sold because there's other things I want to do in life. Yeah, there's some people mm-hmm. that are freaks and they'll stay with it, but it's like you also yeah. have to understand what you're sacrificing. Like you're like mm-hmm. killing everything. So just more of it, just more yeah. sitting down. I mean, like, what do I want? What do I want in 20 years? Mm-hmm. And if certain yeah. things you don't want, then maybe staying with it for like the full ride makes sense. But if you're like, no, nah, like, yeah, I got a lot of cool ideas. I have an exit. I have a win. Let's take it and like bounce on to the next. Yeah. And you, and, and the, I was going to say, there's yeah. a professor at UCCS that I think you, you mm-hmm. met that we both yeah. know. And that's kind of his standpoint. And he's like, I don't, I, wanna, yeah. I don't want to do one thing forever because that's when it gets boring. 
when accounting comes in and HR and you're raising these series B's and it's all government paperwork, mm-hmm. it's the, the beginning is when it's fun. Cause yeah. then it's like no different of just working at a corporation. Yeah. You're running it, but it's, it's no different. Like you have HR, you have accounting, mm-hmm. you have, you have all these departments, you have all these regulations you have to follow. Yeah. And part of, I think why people start companies is they yeah. don't like that. Oh yeah. I hate corporate. I hate the corporate corp corporatism. Yeah. It's terrible. Like, and yeah. Yeah. Is that you, you leave because you don't mm. want to be a part of that. Yeah, man. It just, that's one of the things that I like, I think what's really, I think it's really funny is that almost every like really like crazy successful, like startup, they all do the thing where they like, they're like, we're, we're, we're the rebels. We're the crazy ones. And then, you know, you take seven years and then it's like, Oh, now you are like, George Orwell, 1984. They, like that's like Facebook, Twitter, all that fight, stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah. Like for most of the founders I've met, when yep. you have a win, take it. Yeah. Like if you want to ride it out, ride it out. But it's like, it depends on what you want in life. Yeah. But then it's like, you're married to that industry yeah. too. In a way it's like, that's true. What if yeah. I like other just, things? Like I yeah. want to go start a car magazine or something. Well, if you're going to ride this thing to death, you better love yeah. your industry. Yep. You better love the process. That's in. Yep. If I'm going to freaking talk about anything, it's like, you got to love the the grind and the process of it. Cause or else like there's that person that does love the grind in that process. It's like, also it's the loving the process doesn't mean you have to like every single thing you do, which I think gets talked about. It's like, Oh, you know, if you just have to love every part of it and if you work, if you work the job you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. I think it's completely misleading because there's no matter what you do, there's going to be a <laughs> yeah. thing that sucks. Like in, in the thing is, it's just like, I, I know for me, it's like, when I think about it, it's like, I genuinely am really passionate about my end consumer. And it's just, I like, like I, I talked to my friend Cy cause we were, we were talking about, um, just like exits and stuff. And it's like, okay, Jason. Okay. Let's say you scale this thing, do really well. You're doing great. Like you get that buyout offer. It's a big check, some monstrous amount of money. Like, do you take it? And to, to, but you have to leave, but you have to leave. You have to give your baby away. It's like, do you do it? And I'm like, ah, uh, well, it depends. Did I shift the entire market the way I wanted to then? Cause it's like, cause my genuine good is to make, make people like, cause the biggest thing that I ended up doing was I realized that Amazon wasn't provide, like they say that they're providing value to small businesses, but I was actually looking at the data and the research and it was like, they weren't helping the actual brick and mortar stores transition into this e-commerce. Same thing with Shopify. They were doing a lot of stuff where they were like charging a big monthly fee and a percentage of sale and doing all this stuff with payment processing. I did a bunch of research and I was like, I don't think they're actually taking care of the consumer. So let's say I go kill it. I start gaining leverage and then I get a buyout offer. And then it's, then the question would be like, Hey, are you going to change this thing? to give more value to these small businesses. Then the answer is no, then I'm not going to take it. Cause like, it's like, I'm the guy I like to, I think I'm the crazy guy. I don't know yet. I'm like 90 99% sure. I'm, it's also, it's the difference between saying that in abstract and then that's, getting the check. That's, and you're like, that's oh, the big game. Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a big so, difference when you talk yep. to people with access. Oh yeah. Look how that goes down. Yeah. Cause you're like, I'm riding this thing yeah. up to the sunset and then you get a call to sell it and you're like, well, you know, I have kids. I'm never seeing them. I'm really never at home. Mm-hmm. I'm super stressed out maybe yeah. maybe yeah maybe, i know maybe i yeah it looks a lot more attractive maybe i want to just go to be yeah maybe i just want to go be that guy on the beach in the bahamas or i don't know yeah, maybe there's like, a different thing just like thinking yeah. 10 years you might be like hey yeah. like, i'm so passionate about this but i'm passionate about something else like this went down yeah. to number it's two like it does, just, it's not mutually out. exclusive yeah. yeah 
like, man, I saw that I was looking at this guy that I connected with. Um, I was like connecting with all these people on LinkedIn and there was this one guy who was a really big VC person. And he was like, I'm retired. I'm going to go play guitar now. That's what and I that mean. was it. Now he just, now he just does guitar stuff. And I'm like, man, I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. So what, what do you think? Do you, do you see like yourself doing this for a long term? Are you like, are you like chasing an exit or are you just kind of like feeling it out? I think you just feel like so. feel it out as it go, but exit's always the goal. Yeah. I would say. Like exit's always the yeah. goal. It's like, I have so yeah. many hobbies and things I like to do that it's like, I'd like to try other things. Yeah. Like, like if this exits mm-hmm. and it worked, how could I apply the yeah. same foundation, do something else I like? Like I like a lot of mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. And to me, I'm not the person where I'm like, I'm going to sit in one thing forever yeah. because I'm just generally curious. And I think that's why you become a founder is you're curious. That's very true. So I'm like, I, yeah. I like, yes, I'd love, like you said, write it out, make sure it like did what it was mm-hmm. supposed to do. It was cool. But if it was yeah. an exit, I would take an exit. Cause it's like, I'm intrigued by other things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, like funny enough, you just said, I'm going to quit and go play guitar yeah. at VC. Some of the coolest entrepreneurs I've met yeah. from XI is that now that they exit their company, it's like, what do you do now? And they're like either wrapped up in all these super crazy things, or they're just like doing really cool things. And it's like, they kind of go back to yeah. who they were. And it's not yeah. that they change for the company, yeah. but they're like, I can live comfortably now. So I'm going to go snowboard mm-hmm. four days a week. Like that's my job. Yeah. Or I can go, go travel across like wherever and I can go on vacation and I can take more time to spend with my kids. Yeah. And I, it's a really, it's a really weird like thing to think about, especially, you know, cause we're both, you know, fairly yeah. early stage well, you know, in comparison. Another thing to too I think I've seen is the itch comes so, back. Is yeah. they exit X yeah. company and X industry, they start doing something else in a different industry, like a hobby, like yeah. playing guitar, and then they're playing guitar, and they're like, "I could do one thing better on this guitar." And then the itch it comes back. Yeah. Where you're doing your hobby, and yep. the next thing you know, you're like, "Oh, now I'm a founder of a guitar company." But I started a SaaS company yep. ten years ago. No correlation, yep. but like the itch comes back. Oh yeah. Yep. And that's that's what probably why I think I think I might not have that that itch as much because. It's like, cause I started this thing. Cause really I, I have, I wanted to start like a bit, like 20 businesses that I all really liked. And I was like, man, I just need this online framework that I can plug all these fun businesses that I wanted to start. Like I wanted to start a hammock company. I wanted to start selling like music equipment online. I think like, I wanted to do all this and I had to do it in this online framework. And I was like, now I can just go start whatever company I want because I have this framework already that I can just plug everything into, which I thought was just so cool. So it's like, I, I, it's really hard for me to get bored which is, you know, I think it also, it's like, it's very weird because 10 years is a long time, man. Like that's like half of my life. So it's yeah, like, no, yeah. it's a, it's a long time. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm a way different person than I was 10 years ago. So thinking 10 years out, like I probably could be an entirely different person again. So it's really hard to find out and know. I think what it boils so, back to is a common theme yeah. that we touched on is like, just don't chase things. Like yeah. do what make you happy and you, you won't oh, yeah. burn out. You won't burn out. Yep. Yeah. And, and also just having perspective. That's another big thing. It's like, don't, don't do it because it's cool because you want to look, you want to flex on yeah. those people from high school. You want to flex on those people from college. You should do it because you actually like the thing. Oh yeah. And if yeah. I see a lot of kids so, do that, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Like you're going to hit a road bump. And yes. when that road bump comes, yep. you're like, uh, no point. Cause that was actually one thing in the accelerator they touched on is like, mm-hmm. why did you build this yeah. business? And if you can't articulate it, think of why. And if you can't, after you think about it, you're probably going to give up mm. because you actually really don't care, but you think you care, but yeah. it's like when you dig into it, you're yeah. like, do I? 
Yeah. So like, do, do I really end up still caring? So why, so why did you start your company? Because I went through what Megan said. That was the biggest yeah. thing I tell everyone. Is yeah. like, I moved here from a small town in the Midwest, moved to a big city. Like I came from somewhere that has like mm-hmm. 22,000 people. Carlos Springs is like 500,000. I wanted to go yeah, do all these jump. cool things, had absolutely no one to do it with. So my first year mm-hmm. and a half here, I didn't do anything. And I experienced the feeling that Megan had because she was in the Navy, got out, went to college. She's like, I don't know anyone. I didn't even live in the state. And I was like, I was the mm. same as her. I was like, I didn't live in the state. I moved here. Seems like there's cool things to do, but I have no one to do it with. So we both like lived through it of like, mm. if this would have existed, my first year here would have been a lot more fun. Like we both got to experience yeah. that. Yeah. That's, that's it like that. Yeah. I think like literally I ended up creating my company because it's like, I hated the way, cause I started a company called shoe pirate when I was in high school. Cause I flipped a bunch of sneakers and then I was like, this sucks. I hate this creation process. I wish that it was simpler. And then I was like, Oh, that's a pain point. I really should do this. Cause I'm actually, I really like it. And I wanted to give other people an opportunity because the original idea for shoe pirate is I wanted to create a platform for people to like create their own sneaker brands and then sell them on this one thing. And it was like, that's, that was, that was weird. And then I, but I learned a lot from that, like literally completely failed. It's, didn't did not work out at all goat and stock x existed yeah. that was really dumb <laughs> it was like yeah, going to that exact thing. experiences though like literally yeah and then all the founders yes. we met that dropped all this knowledge on us is like yeah we failed like three other times prior to this like yep yeah it yeah and it's like it's so it's so human like i think it's like that's why i really like it it's just like you feel it out and you and you don't and it doesn't click all all the way like I was, I was reading this book called Super Pumped, um, and it was basically the story of Uber. And Travis Kalanick, like, literally got sued by the federal government in his first startup and went bankrupt in his first thing. And then he started another company, and then another company, and then it was Uber. And it was just like, it's crazy because like these almost everyone, if you look at all these autobiographies, they always fail at something before they get their big thing. And it's just if you like get so caught up in it, like. I have to do all this stuff. I have to win tomorrow or for me to be able to win long-term, you're going to lose and you're going to get that burnout. Like we were talking about. So yeah, it just goes back to look at what are two things that are going to kill you. Yeah. Just focus on those two things. I really like that. You can get I really like so that. That's distracted. Gonna... And it's like, it's ridiculous. They're like, especially in early stage companies, because you're mm, your marketer, yeah. you're your salesperson, you're, you're, you're like, you are a solo founder, I believe still. Right. Uh, well, kind of, so, <laughs> that's, it's so weird. Cause you have people like, like that hop in and out. And that's some, one of the hardest things for me is cause it's like, I, I still have a bunch of, cause it's like, I just went and did it pretty much me and I've just was doing it. And then it's like, I slowly start to acquire people as my vision like yeah. solidifies. And it's a really weird dynamic, but for pretty much, yeah, I do every, pretty much everything. And, that's what's, and then I like recently, that's yeah, what, that's so what's tough this is, is like, we had a team, like yeah. I have people I can lean on, but it's like, yeah, when there's a yeah. founder, you're trying to be the marketer, you're trying oh, to be yeah. the sales guy, you're trying to be the brand guy. Just focus on the two things that matter. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing for me. And yeah. And I, and I've been, I've been getting a lot of help, uh, which is really good. And it's just, it's like, it's cause it's like when you want a good, a good person, a lot of times you're like trying to pull a guy that easily could be working at like Google as like your tech guy. And it's like, okay, how can I make this be worth it to them? And it's like, yeah, with equity and everything, it's just, it's still a risk. So it's like a lot of the times when you have those really logical people, it's really hard to can like, convince and then but it's also it's like hey if you don't buy in 
I can't, I can't give this thing to you. And it's like, you want to have people that buy into the vision of what you're doing and are willing to take that jump. And it, there's not a lot of people who are. And I, I got very fortunate. Like I, I, I pretty much, it was me and another guy. I ended up firing one of the guys. Cause just was like, you're not putting in the same time that I am. And I need that, especially in this early stage. And then I found one of my, one of the friends that I started my, one of my first ever businesses with my friend, Simeon. Now I got him back on board and like, cause it was never really like came to think about like, cause he was doing his own thing. I was doing my thing. And it was just like, it never really seemed to be like, Oh, we should like team up. It was just like, it happened kind of organically over time. Like same thing with Sai. He's been helping me out a ton and I, and I want to give him a spot, but it's like, he's, he's in a job making like six figures and he's like eight and he's like 19, I think. He's a and it's just, it's crazy. Cause it's, yeah, he's a dev. Um, so it's like he's been just like he's just like a really good buddy of mine. Like I, I wouldn't even care. Like he like he just helps me a ton just because he's a nice human. And then like, hey, I'm struggling with my website, and then I just call him, and then it's like, yeah, just I just have people that want to help, and you have a lot of people that want to see you succeed. That's another thing I want to emphasize. If you ask for help from people, like there's so many people that want to see you succeed and are willing to give you critical feedback as well. Cause you know, I remember I showed my website to Simeon and Simeon's like, Hey, here's like nine things that we could fix like today. And I was like, Oh, that's a really good idea. And then we just went and did it. But because I was, I built it, I had this attachment to it. Cause then I was like, Oh wow. Like I don't want to change anything. And then it was just like, you get the input and then you're like, Oh, I can change. We it. did that with some so, of the devs it, at exponential impact shows. Them are oh, happy yeah. and they're like, why is it this? Why does this do that? And we're like, Good points. Didn't even think of that. But like when they're just like tearing stuff apart. Yes. Oh yeah. It's it's really critical to like basically tear everything down and then rebuild it. I think it's really good. And it's okay to go backwards is another thing. It's like it's okay to like go backwards so you can move two steps forward, especially in a startup. Because it's like if you're like really holding on to this mobile app and then you're like, well, this mobile app sucks. It's okay to go back and then fix it and then go do it again and then try like rebalance yourself. Like that's what's really good with COVID. It's like that really helped me too because I was able to like really center my vision, figure out what I want to do and everything. So, yeah, man. Yeah, COVID, like oh. COVID, COVID yep. obviously was bad because it's a pandemic, like obviously awful. Yeah. But there was like, I remember first day we met with our mentor. He's like, we just got to take our crybaby hats off and put the happy, the happy face hat on. Like look for the yep. good because it exists. You literally, that was exact wording is, don't pull a crybaby yep. card. Stop it. Put your happy hat on. In these next fifteen weeks, he's like, <laughs> "Your happy he's hat." Like, we're gonna come out of this. We're gonna do something. It's like I don't care if there's a yep. pandemic. We're gonna figure it out. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah. So I think you could just see who people who like on large scale, big companies. The big companies that put their happy yeah. hats on, knocked out of the park. And yep. the people that played the "We're done" game ended up being done. They're, oh, for sure. Yeah. So is there any question that you wish I asked before we wrap things up? You know, not really. So like my favorite type of podcasts have been on a few other are almost yeah. like this, like just dialogue. Cause I also consume oh, yeah. a bunch of podcasts in my free time. Oh, same. I think the best podcasts yeah. are just people talking. Cause I've been on a few where there's like a bunch of loaded questions, like preloaded questions. And it almost just feels like an interview. Yeah. And I like, I like a format like this going oh i completely agree that's there's what like i try no to do because i've yeah. been on some where there's like a very like here's eight questions that are going to get asked and it's like i feel like i'm taking a test or this is more yeah. of a free-flowing it's, conversation i would have had with you if we were at a coffee shop yeah and that's what i like and that's what i want to give because it's like i want to pull back the curtain and that was kind of like the whole purpose of the podcast so dude thank you so much for yeah. being on um i'm gonna go stop the recording so thank you so much man yeah, hey, no thank you so.